It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. Kellen Kennedy is on the other side of the window working hard as your studio producer this evening. Still ahead, Jerry Modijong from Florida with an update on your Grey Cup champion Edmonton Eskimos as they go through a mini camp there. Uh, I want to find out uh, what's going on with that coaching staff. How are they gelling? Totally new coaching staff after the old one. Almost all of them went off to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I want to tell you about another coach who's leaving town after a championship, though I don't think you'll be as angry about this one as Chris Jones moving on. Uh, Mike Gabinette joins us on the show now. Mike, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? Hey, good, Reed. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks a lot for making time for me tonight. The last time I had you, uh, your playoffs were just starting, so I haven't had a chance to congratulate you on air. How to go? Undefeated ACAC championship. Man, just must have been a dream season. Yeah, you know what? It was a special year to uh, to go and then continue on our, our good fortune through the playoffs and uh, uh, to win a championship and a couple of really close ones down the stretch there for the for game one and game two of the final series. Best of three was uh, something pretty pretty special. All right. I mean, when you look back on on this season, and uh, you know, I know you were with uh, with Serge Lejoie before he moved on to the U of A. Before that. Did you know, I mean, a lot of times at the university and college level, coaches say, well, this is a peak or this is a year where we're a little younger and we're building. Did you know this was going to be a good year? You know, I don't think you ever think it's going to be that good a year for sure, but I think with some of the leadership group we had and the players we had, we knew uh, we could do something special. And then we had some success really early in the season, uh, beating, you know, beating U of A and beating some good CIS schools. And so we kind of thought, you know, if we can continue that, uh, that effort going forward throughout the season uh, that we could do something special. All right. Um, what, what what was the players' focus like on not just being the champions, but on on not losing a game? You know, what we kind of we talk about that. We get that question asked a lot. I think really the you know the the key to it was just kind of focusing on our day to day. How do we get better this week? How do we get better this day? And kind of not getting caught up too much in our wins and losses. And so I think really that was a key. We never really talked about it till after the season. And we kind of literally just, you know, focused one day at a time and picked a certain thing for that week to focus on. And that allowed us to to kind of stay stay grounded and stay the course and to not get too far ahead of ourselves. Yeah, sounds great. All right, so your new opportunity, Associate Coach, University of Nebraska, Omaha. Um, tell us uh, tell us why, why the change. Why is this the right opportunity? Yeah, you know, I think just uh, they kind of approached me here. It all happened pretty quickly. Uh, that's where I played college hockey. 
so I have a history with the program. And then uh, I actually kind of spent a couple of my summers when I first started playing pro after college was done. I kind of would reside there in the summertime because you got a lot of your friends there and things like that. So it's always been a great community and it's a great hockey town. I think they average fourth in attendance in NCAA. They get about 8,000 people at every game and they just built a new $100 million rink right on campus. Uh, it's almost like a miniature Rogers place. It's got the, you know, 8,000-seat arena, and then it's got the practice rink right next to it. So pretty neat environment to be a part of and, and really excited, and they made me a really good offer that uh, my family and I couldn't refuse. So to go become an associate head coach there, uh, we thought it was a good opportunity for the family. All right. Um, now, you played there, what, about, uh, about 12 years ago or so? Yeah, I graduated in 04. So uh, yeah, I guess fourteen years. 14, okay, yeah, getting old, getting, getting older. Yeah. After you, after you left the Lloydminster Blazers, I think you and I just overlapped that that one playoff series, a uh, couple of playoff series against Fort Saskatchewan and, and, and Fort McMurray. Um, do you get the sense the program has changed, grown any different than when you were a player? You know, I think it's always again. I think it's always such a great community. So I think it's got great roots there, and and uh, they got Dean Blaze there right now, who's. Uh, uh, done a good job kind of transitioning the program into the NCHC, which is uh, arguably right now the strongest college uh, hockey division with North Dakota and Denver that were just in the Frozen Four there. So uh, I think it's going to be a great opportunity, and, uh, and I'm really looking forward to the challenge. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, Nebraska does not scream hockey. I, I, I interviewed somebody last week who played at Huntsville, Alabama. <laughs> it, it is interesting, though, yeah. these these communities in the States that aren't, associated with hockey who have been able to build these yeah. college programs yeah i think just speaks to the to the kind of the state of nebraska they just embrace their college sports i mean i think that, you know they obviously get eighty-five thousand people at their football games i think they're you know women's basketball and volleyball do extremely well so it's just one of those towns uh and cities that don't have pro sports so they really embrace uh you know where you went to school and they get behind their college sports which is so exciting to be a part of it's a great community to be involved with, and uh, I mean, you can't ask for more than eight thousand people, solo crowds at those games, and uh, it's a pretty neat, pretty neat environment to play in. So, they, so they they pretty much packed the building, eh? Yeah, yeah. We went my my first year we played there. We played in eight thousand seat arena. We always sold out, and then they moved to uh, eighteen thousand seat arena, and they shared it with Creighton Basketball, which is a big uh, a big basketball program down there, and then. Uh, since then, you know, it's just you can't get the same atmosphere. They built that rink right on campus, and so it's just uh, I was down there last week. It's just a beautiful facility, and and it's right on campus, and there's dorms there and restaurants and bars. So just a pretty neat environment uh, to go catch a game in for a, for a college atmosphere. Uh, what, what's the makeup of the roster? Are we talking mostly Americans, or do you get a lot of Canadians still there? I think uh, just with their coaching staff uh, lately, it's been probably about seventy percent. Americans, but uh, you know that's which is great. But hopefully, too, with some of our connections here uh, in Alberta and uh, BC and Saskatchewan, that we can uh, find some really good uh, prospects here in uh, Canada and, and bring some of those guys down as well. How he- how heavily do you expect to be involved in the recruiting, Mike? I'll be very heavily involved. Yeah, we'll have uh, being the associate head coach. We'll have another assistant coach that you know primary function will be kind of to get first look at a lot of the recruits but then i'll definitely be uh getting up and uh and watching guys play and like i said hopefully we can find some really good players uh from canada all right uh, mike gabinet joining us former nate 
hockey coach now going to be the associate coach at University of Nebraska Omaha. Just a couple more for you. Does it ever snow in Omaha? You know what? I think uh, when I was just down there, I think they closed the golf courses for about a month and a half out of the year. Okay. So uh, there is some cold times, but uh, definitely not cold like we, we we get it in Edmonton. That's for sure. All right, little uh, a little different. Uh, what are you What are you most going to miss about coaching at Nate? You know, I think just the first and foremost, the players and the staff. You know, we, with Umberto Fiorello and then being able to work with Bill Moores and, and our other assistant coaches this year was such a treat. And uh, I've got really fond memories of the athletic department there. You know, I've been there for four four years, and, and they gave me kind of my opportunity into coaching, and I'll be always grateful for that. And then obviously the players, you, you develop some pretty strong players when you're with these guys all the time, and, and they're young men. They're, you know, between 20 and 24 years old. So I'll miss, uh, I'll miss those guys for sure. Uh, but like we talked to our players that are moving on to, to uh, different opportunities, uh, you know, we got to challenge ourselves as coaches to do that as well. All right, so does this mean, uh, given your, your connection with Serge Lajoie, are we going to see a U of A, UNO weekend series at some point? Am I getting ahead of myself? Yeah, you betcha. We were, <laughs> yeah, no, we were talking about uh, we were talking about that. Hopefully we can get them down for uh, a couple exhibition games in the next few years. And uh, obviously with U of A's program, uh, we better be ready for them next year because they, they're a good team. Well, Mike, it was great getting to know you a bit um, this season. You guys had an incredible run for Nate, and uh, I'm happy for you that you're very excited about this new opportunity. I hope we can keep in touch, and, yeah, absolutely all the best as you go to Nebraska-Omaha. Yeah, I hope we keep in touch too, Reed. Uh, thank you for the support during the season. It's much appreciated. Right on. No problem, Mike. That is Mike Gabinet checking in tonight. Yeah, his Nate team did not lose a game. Did not lose a game. They won the title, and he gets to go play for the school or gets to go uh, be an associate coach at the school he played for for next season. Really positive story for Mike. Too bad Edmonton is losing him, but uh, a good way to keep his career chugging along. It is 8.15. This is Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, tell you about something pretty cool that's coming up in local golf. Jerry Modijong with the Eskimos update and the latest on the NHL scoreboard as we move along. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Off now, Foxa. Foxa's pass back, defended by Brodine, and cleared back out here to center right. We hit the six-minute mark. Second period. Here's Pominville into the offensive zone. Pominville scores! Tipped in by Niederreiter. Niederreiter was out in front. It's that line again of all the Niederreiter and Pominville. They come through and tie the hockey game. They would wind up crediting the goal to Halla, and that is Minnesota fighting back after falling behind to Dallas 2-0 early in the game. Patrick Sharp got a couple in the first five minutes. Porter and Halla have responded for the Wild. Now two and a half minutes left in the second period. Still 2-2, Minnesota needing that one to uh, stay alive in the series. It's 2-0 for Dallas in terms of games one. Kings and the Sharks coming up in a few minutes, and the Capitals with five Power play goals. Ovechkin scored twice. And the Capitals just rolling over the Flyers 6-1 to go up 3-0 in the best of seven. The Toronto Raptors win 98-87 over the Indiana Pacers. That best of seven first round NBA series tied 1-1. The Blue Jays won this afternoon four runs in the eighth inning to knock off the Boston Red Sox 4-3. Kellen. We gotta let people know this is great. It's okay. back. Twenty third annual six thirty Ched Gary Drager Golf Tournament. 
23rd annual. It honors head 630 Chet Santa's anonymous elf, Gary Dreger. Uh, every year, staff, partners, volunteers, family, and friends come together for 18 holes of laughs, memories, and mulligans. This is all at the Lynx in Spruce Grove. Save the date, Friday, June 17th, 144 spots. 144 golfers. You'll start at 8.30 in the morning. You get a full breakfast and you get a full dinner after the fact. Prizes to be won. If you want to register, go to 630ched.com or come to our building here, 5204 84th Street, during regular office hours. Just 195 bucks per golfer. If you sign up before May 16th, you're entered to win a $500 gift card to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. And here's the great thing, Kellen. All net proceeds from the tournament go to 630Ched, Santa's Anonymous, which helps bring Christmas to over 25,000 Edmonton, uh, 25,000 Edmonton children. Right on, and oh, we year. got another goal here. Uh, Mini, Mini, they're yes. ahead. I couldn't tell. Both teams are wearing green. Well, Mini's at home. They got yes. the darker green. Yeah, and uh, so that's why everybody's excited. So, have you ever been able to play in the 630Ched, Santa's Anonymous, Gary Drager Golf Tournament? No, because there'd be lots of mulligans on my. <laughs> You're allowed mulligans. Uh, <laughs> it is a fun, fun day. Fun, fun day for uh, for a great. I hope I get to play again this there year. There you go. They snuck me in on the staff list. Nice. Last couple of tournaments. Nice. Yeah. Need a rider, driving the net, rebound there from Pominville, who cashes it in. So after a disastrous start, Minnesota able to respond and take the lead. I got to tell you something. I don't think Dallas is built for a long playoff run. I think they beat Minnesota, and uh, then they're done. St. Louis or Chicago beats them. Well, yeah, if, if uh, Sagan can't get back to the level he was before he well, got hurt. Right, exactly. that doesn't help, yep. for sure. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I'd have to agree with you, Reed. Uh, but, hey, you know, Minnesota, they're still, you know, leading this game. They win tonight, whole new series, so. All right, uh... Uh, all right. Is is Randy available? I just want to check with Randy. I'm sorry to bring you on the spot because you're busy, but I I have people uh, texting me, um, a little concerned about the uh, the fire evacuation. So maybe they've been missing the top and bottom hour newscast. So I don't mind uh, jumping in with a little bit here. What what is the latest on that? Hello. Hi. I didn't hear your whole question. Sorry. Sorry, sorry to bug you. I, I've, all right. I've had I've had uh, some concerned people on the text line about the evacuation area or exactly what's going on with the fires, and I figure they probably have missed our top and bottom news. So I don't mind bringing you on here mid half hour. No, it's a pretty big story. It is. It is. It is. It's a Parkland County. They ordered uh, the hamlet of Duffield and Duffield Downs, which is a subdivision in that same area, evacuated about uh, two and a half hours ago. They're supposed to. Everybody that lives in that area, Reed, is supposed to go to the Manly Hall. That's on Highway 16, right at Range Road 23. And they're not letting anybody back in, obviously, for some time yet. Some really nasty wildfires uh, out that way because of the wind and these unseasonable temperatures. Okay. Thanks, Randy. Appreciate that. No Let's problem. get back to your newscast. Thank you. Yeah, keep it tuned here to 630 Chad for sure. Top and bottom of the hours. That is uh, the latest there from uh, from Randy. So uh, Duffield and the Duffield Downs subdivision have been 
uh, evacuated. So that's what we have on that right now. Thanks to everybody who uh, is texting into 630-630. Uh, inside Sports on 630, Chad DW says, uh, Hey, Reed, I have to think that Washington goes to the final as well. I don't think there's any team in the East with strong enough goaltending to stop the Washington Capitals. Here's, here's a question for everybody. Have a little fun at this time of year. Is, is Braden Holtby a Hart Trophy dominee? Ooh. I mean, Kane's going to win it. Yeah. you got to put Ben up there. So is Holtby the third guy? Is, is Holtby the third guy? Is Crosby the third guy? Like, oh, to, to me, it's a slam dunk Holtby's the Vezina. Oh, absolutely. Slam dunk. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. He's been the best goalie in, 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 in the league, definitely in the second half of the season by far. So I'm just wondering, does that... I'm just going to double-check something here. Does that... It wins him the Vesna. Did I mean? Go, does does he does he get votes for the heart? Now is that the pro hockey writers that vote for that too, Reed? Or the Vesna's the GMs. Okay. Okay, but for the Hart Trophy, who is who? Who does the That's voting? That's the for hockey that? writers. That's the hockey writers, eh? I would think that the hockey writers would put more weight on the goalie than than say Crosby for the seasons he had because Crosby is Crosby. <laughs> I guess that would well, be Crosby didn't start the season well. No, he didn't Holt start the season was, well. Holtby was was pretty good front to back. He played 66 games. Yeah, right. He went 48, nine and five. Now I know the argument is well, goalies' wins aren't just dependent on himself. He needs people to score for him and all that kind of stuff. Fair enough, but goalies are also playing the situation in games, right? Well, let's face it. If he didn't play that well, I don't think Washington would have been tops in the East. You know, right? So I don't know. To me, hope these. I don't think he wins the Hart Trophy. I think Patrick Kane wins mm-hmm. and should rightfully win the Hart Trophy. I agree. Given with the you, season he had, given how yeah. much he won the scoring race by, given the points he put up in this quote-unquote dead mm-hmm. puck era. But Holtby, you know, well, definitely should be the third name on that. Nine nine twenty-two save percentage. Mm-hmm. Actually, that was a drop from the previous year. He was nine twenty-three. Pretty valuable player, though. Yeah, still. Pretty consistent. If you got a 9.23 one season, you got a 9.22 the next season. Um, if you're consistently getting safe percentages like that, you're a good goalie. All right. 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. The MVP of the Grey Cup was Mike Riley. He is with some current and future Eskimo teammates at a mini camp in Florida under the watchful eye of a brand-new head coach, and coaching staff. How is that shaken down? Jerry Modijon covering this for Post Media. That's the Journal and the Sun nowadays. He's going to check in. Uh, the Eskimos signed a new quarterback over the weekend, Thomas DeMarco. What about uh, McKnight and Ford, the two former NFLers they signed in the offseason? How do those guys look? Jerry has all the answers when we get back. Darius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos. And you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, the Wild are up 3-2 on the Stars. That's after two now. 
Washington won 6-1. Sharks and Kings still to come. This is Inside Sports on 630 Ched. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Uh, a lot of fun coming up for you this week. Tomorrow in studio with Al Hamilton and Bob Falkenberg. Members of the 1966 Memorial Cup champion Edmonton Oil Kings. They're going to be inducted into the Alberta Hockey Hall of Fame in July. They're going to join us in studio Wednesday in studio with two members of the Great Cup champion Edmonton Eskimos. Offensive lineman Tony Washington and DeAnthony Batiste. That'll be fun. I think I'll be the smallest guy in the studio, Kellen. Well, I usually am. Yeah. I'm a small human being. Yeah. But there's no doubt about it. You'd need like 10 of me to add up to those two guys. Let's face it. When we had uh, Jelena Mirjanovic in uh, after she she won last month, uh, she was taller than you. So that's how small you are. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Thanks. No problem. Doing wonders for me. Jelena's awesome, though. I, I really like Outstanding. her. Outstanding. That was a great yeah. interview. We should, have yeah. her, we should have her in again. For sure. All right. It's 835. The Eskimos uh, having that mini camp in Florida. Jerry Montejean covering it for Post Media. Jerry, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Reed. Thanks for having me on here, talking a, a little bit of pigskin. Yeah, it's great. I want to ask you, before we dive into all the important football stuff, uh, I was in Florida once. It was last June, and I sweated constantly the entire time I was there. <laughs> Is it any better in the middle of April? Uh, probably, but uh, you know, I brought like eight shirts just to be prepared, so when I uh, you know go through two a day, I won't run out before I have to go back home. <laughs> It's uh, yeah, it's it's muggy. They tell me it's nothing like uh, the summertime, but uh, yeah, it's good enough for me. Yeah. Still, I'll take it, man. This is a, it's almost another planet down here. Just looking at the the trees and everything. It's uh, I haven't found my first gator yet, but uh, that's fine. I'm a okay with that. Don't approach it if you see one. Just walk away slowly. <laughs> <laughs> Are you supposed to back away or just play dead? Because I'd feel pretty foolish if I laid down and something ate me. Yeah, I think it's bears you play dead with. I'll have to look up alligators. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe maybe you should have done that before I got down here. Yeah, but, sorry, yeah. buddy. I'll text you later. Uh, <laughs> okay. So the Eskimos in the middle of minicamp here. Look, it's, it's a brand-new coaching stamp, uh, staff, which has been a huge story. And I remember, you know, you and Dave and Morley – when Chris Jones started, they, you know, you guys pointed out some changes right away. That practices were fast and they were organized, and guys were hustling from play to play and drill to drill, and there was no standing around, and everything already was kind of running like a well-oiled machine. How is this new coaching staff running things so far? Yeah, you know, uh, no kidding. You know, there is not a lot of difference between uh, then and now. Surprisingly, I mean, you know, maybe maybe a lot of that has to do with uh, the the players just uh, you know being so accustomed to that. But now that they bring, I, I mean, they only have a handful of, of vets here off the actual uh, roster. Uh, but I mean, they're working with these these new guys, these up and comers, these guys looking for a shot, and they're. Uh, I mean, for one example, Mike Riley was was out there. They were doing seven-on-sevens, a little offense versus defense. And uh, even when he wasn't taking the snaps and throwing the ball, he was running around grabbing pylons and uh, doing all the stuff that uh, either the trainers or the equipment guys usually do, right? So they're clipping along at a, an amazing pace. And that's uh, that's something to be said for, uh, I mean, Moss coming in here. It's, uh, you know, everybody knows it's his first year as a head coach. But what's becoming apparent to me readily is uh, – I mean, this guy obviously wasn't just wasting his time holding that clipboard for all those years. Uh, he was uh, he was thinking it through, you know, turning the gears in his mind 
And uh, now that he's he's got his shot to run the show here, um, I mean, there's uh, there's not a lot of downtime. These guys aren't standing around blinking at the coaches, wondering what to do next. I mean, they're they're firing on on all cylinders, or yeah, putting these guys through the paces. All right, well, that's good to hear. So there are some. You mentioned uh, Riley and some other guys that are there. Now for the quarterback, so what do we have? Riley Franklin. Lynch and the and the the new signing, I guess, who used to be a teammate of Riley's in BC, Thomas Demarco, is he has he jumped right into? That's right. Yeah, they they all have for sure, and uh, that's going to be uh, pretty interesting what they end up doing uh, with that third QB spot. And uh, I mean, in my mind, it, it looks like they, you know, uh, like a lot of teams, they want to carry a QB on the practice roster too. Um, now, however they do that, or how they go about it, or whoever wins. The job to stay on the active roster uh, out of out of training camp. I mean, uh, that that would be uh, an unfortunate step back for Jordan Lynch. I mean, this is a guy who, who scored the winning TD in uh, in the Grey Cup last year. I think mean, he was used a lot in special teams, a uh, holder, and, uh, and even... I can't see you know a lot of coaches uh, outside of Chris Jones, uh, you know, requiring a, a QB to be out there on punt coverage. So his role could end up changing uh, quite a bit. And, uh, you know, he's going to have to fight for a job against DeMarco now. And besides those four guys you mentioned, there's there's four other guys wearing yellow shirts out there who uh, who aren't signed or haven't been announced or anything like that. Um, and they're all just kind of, you know, fighting for a chance just to show these guys or these coaches what they can do. So, uh, I mean, nothing is, is a given outside of, uh, obviously, Mike Riley and, and James Franklin. I mean, I'm sure... Franklin's done enough last year to to show he's taken the steps and is uh, uh, one heck of an understudy of Riley's. Uh, but beyond that, uh, it's you know you can put question marks on the depth chart of, of who's going to be you know a, the third string quarterback and who's uh, going to be offered a, a practice squad role. Yeah, well, and it was interesting too. I mean, uh, Chris Jones is the only coach I've ever seen do that. Use your third string quarterback. Yeah on punt cover and then go in and take quarterback sneak. So, I mean, Jason Moss could be thinking, like, I don't really know what I have in Jordan Lynch in terms of an actual ball-throwing quarterback because he didn't do it very often. So, yeah, that's probably going to be one decision for him as well. Jerry Moderjong joining us from Post Media. He's covering the Eskimos uh, camp here in Florida. Look, two names that were a big off-season signings because they both played in the NFL. Offensive players, Jacoby Ford and Joe McKnight. How do they look? Uh, absolute speed demons these guys were when they uh, first hit the the pro ranks. Uh, I mean, you you got to fast forward. Uh, you know, 2010 was their draft year. I think they both went in the, in the fourth round or so. Um, you got to you got to fast forward now. Uh, what are we? Uh, this will be six seasons after that. So you can you can assume that they they might have lost a step and they don't have that blazing 4.2, 4.3, 40 speed, but still. Uh, whatever they they might have uh, lost in, in a step that way, they've gained in experience of uh, you know being in the NFL, uh, bouncing around. McKnight unfortunately had some uh, uh, injury problems and hasn't really played a, a full season uh, since 2012. Uh, and then uh, Kobe Ford is, is the same way. He was out last year. Um, not not the injury thing, but these guys are looking at this as an opportunity to get, you know, a full season under their belt, to get back into the swing of things and uh, prove to everybody they still got it. 
Well, yeah, that's going to be fascinating how those two guys turn out because, I mean, it's always great that they have the NFL experience, but you never know, right, for, for every one of those guys. there's a, I remember when Riddell Anthony came in and tried out for the Eskimos in, I think, 03 and didn't last through training camp, and he played with Tampa Bay. Uh, what about receiver Marcus Henry? When he was with the Eskimos a few years ago, I thought he showed some promise as you know, a guy who maybe could be a, a 3-4 receiver, but it never worked out for him. He went to Ottawa, and now what? He's taking another shot for Edmonton, eh? You, you know what's funny, Reed? I was talking to him uh, yesterday when because uh, you know you see him here, and you're like, "What? Why do I recognize that guy?" And, and you get talking to him, and he never uh, ever moved away from Edmonton after he stopped playing here. He he uh, met uh, his his wife now. He met a girl there and, and married her, and uh, has been in Edmonton ever since. So. Uh, I mean, he just reached out to, to Jason Moss. Obviously, there's a little bit of an Ottawa connection there. And um, he just, you know, got a, an invitation to minicamp here. So he's obviously trying to make the most of it. I mean, that would be a, a stellar thing if he could uh, end up playing for what would, uh, you know, what has become his, uh, all of a sudden, his hometown CFL team. So, yeah, good to see him here. Uh, you know, who knows? what the plan is for him, but there, there's some question marks on that Eskimo's receiving core um, uh, for sure, And uh, but it's still going to be tough to uh, you know, carve a, a niche and, and, and uh, you know, for these guys to fit in. Any of these new faces to come in and, and uh, prove that they uh, they can uh, you know, keep in stride and, and belong on this uh, reigning championship roster, that's uh, going to be quite the, quite the call uh, for them to, to try and answer here for sure. Right on. Well, it sounds like already some interesting battles and decisions are shaping up for the coaches and for general manager Ed Hervey. Jerry, enjoy the rest of your time there. Stay away from the Gators or just anything that looks lizard-like. Okay, buddy? Okay, sounds good, Reed. Thanks a lot. Right on. Jerry Monterjohn checking in from Eskimos minicamp in Florida. With DeMarco there, does that mean the guy who scored the uh, game-winning touchdown in the Grey Cup isn't on the team? I, I've, I've, I've never seen that in the CFL. How it was first Pat White was used that way by Chris Jones and last year Jordan Lynch. You're one of the up backs on the punt cover and then you go in to run certain plays and do short yardage. I don't know if Jason Moss wants to do that. Clearly he wants another quote-unquote classic quarterback. I mean, Jordan Lynch was a very good college quarterback, but when he tried out for the Chicago Bears, don't forget, he was trying out as a running back. So I don't think he's necessarily seen as a classic thrower of the football. So Thomas DeMarco, a guy who, you know, has been okay as a backup in the CFL. Maybe he's your third stringer behind uh, Mike Riley and James Franklin. All right, this is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. They are into the third period in Minnesota. The Wild still leading the Stars 3-2. The uh, Wild just killed off a power play, 17.50 to go in that frame. Inside Sports on 630 Chet, it's 8.44. Back after this. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chan. We get this every NHL game tonight. All three has featured a goal in the first minute of the game. San Jose making it three for three, scoring 30 seconds into their game against Los Angeles. Dallas scored 26 seconds in against Minnesota. And Philadelphia scored 57 seconds in against the Washington Capitals. Philadelphia lost the game 
Dallas is trailing the game. We'll see how the San Jose Sharks wind up doing. Of course, that one is early on. Joe Thornton getting credit for the goal. They're now about uh, three and a half minutes in. Interesting stuff. Uh, I can tell you in the NBA tonight, no Steph Curry, Kellen. No Steph Curry for the Golden State Warriors. He's sitting out after uh, injuring his right ankle in Game 1, the win over Houston. He uh, did begin his warm-up routine today, left the court about five minutes later. He was originally a game-time decision. Golden hmm. State, still pretty good even without Curry. Yeah. The Raptors winning Game 2, 98-87 over Indiana. Jonas Valanciunas, 23 points, 15 Rebounds. They led by five at halftime. They worked their lead all the way up to as much as 19 in the fourth quarter. Raptors forward Terrence Ross didn't return to the second half of the game for precautionary reasons. He underwent the NBA's concussion protocol at halftime. The team says that Ross had no clear sign of a concussion but was experiencing a headache. So there you go. That is the latest update. The Blue Jays won earlier today the early Patriots Day game in Boston. And uh, the Blue Jays won at 4-3. The uh, Boston Marathon was today. Ethiopians won the men, the men's and women races for the first time in history. And uh, they took five of the top six spots on the victory stand. Wow. So there you go. Uh, usually Kenyans doing very well in that race. Hmm. And many distance races. Ethiopians doing well today. Now, would you do the uh, Boston Marathon if you're given the chance? Yes, but I would never be given the chance. You have to qualify. Ah, okay. And it would, I, 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 yeah, I don't. <laughs> I ain't making the qualifying time. Not so, unless something changes drastically in my in my physical makeup. So you'd be better off with something like a Bloomsday Run down in Spokane or something like that, right? I don't know what that is, but sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big run in Spokane. It's 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 pretty big. So. Uh, I've only run. I mean, I've only, I've only run two marathons, and they did not go well. Okay. I, I finished them. Well, here's the here's the thing. I've uh, I set a personal best in the half marathon last mm-hmm. summer, and I was an hour fifty one something, right? Mm-hmm. The, the the marathons almost took me five hours. Well, mm-hmm. one did take me five hours. The other one took me four fifty three. So it's not just a simple case of doubling your half marathon time and adding on a little bit because you're getting tired. Uh, yeah, I'm just looking up the... By the way, John Stanton was in studio mm-hmm. on Friday. Founder of The Running Room, Edmonton guy. He uh, gave us a copy of his book. It's yep. simply called Running to give away. And John knows more than, about running than, than anybody. You want? We're going to give away a copy of the book. First caller through, 780-496-0063. Exactly. How's that sound? Let's do it right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the age, my, I would have to be, how old am I? Uh, okay, here's the thing. I'm 40 to 44. The male qualifying time for the Boston Marathon is 3 hours and 15 minutes. Wow. So I don't know if I'm knocking 90 minutes off my time. Yeah. Anytime soon. My only hope might to be to like live to be like 95 and then make that qualifying time. That that might be the best way for me to do it. I I I don't unfortunately I don't think in the near future that that's going to work out for me. Inside sports on six thirty, Chet. Do we have a uh, do we have a caller already? Because there's other people trying to get through. Give me a thumbs up if we got one, Kellen. We do. Uh, congrats to Andrew. He gets the book tonight. Andrew, you'll uh, enjoy the book. Ask Andrew uh, if he if he is already a runner or if he's trying to become a runner. I'd like to know that. 
All right. He is becoming a runner, so All this right. could be perfect for him. Tell him best of luck. He will. He will enjoy it. He will enjoy making it a part of his life, as I have. Uh, a couple texts here to 630-630. This texter says, uh, if the Oilers trade Everly for a defenseman, do you think that they could afford Andrew Ladd? Probably. Well, hmm. I guess it would depend how much the defenseman costs. The Oilers are going to have some other guys coming off the cap. Andrew Ladd is probably going to want around $4.5 million. That's what he's at right now. The thing is, he's a left winger. And uh, right now, the Oilers' left wingers in their top nine are Taylor Hall, Benoit Pouliot, and Patrick Maroon. So I guess the question is, do they go looking for another left winger? Will Taylor Hall not be on the team? All that kind of fun stuff. Uh, Andrew Ladd. 30 years old, first overall, uh, or sorry, first round draft pick, fourth overall by Carolina back in 2004. Good player. Is Chicago going to keep him? I don't know. I would doubt it. Could a guy like him help the Oilers? Yes, he could. How much are the Oilers going to want to pay for him? How much is a team going to want to trade for him, pay for him? Uh, another text message here says, if Anaheim loses the first round, will Bruce Boudreaux get fired after a poor start and then for not getting out of the first round? You have to think that that happens. You have to think if uh, Anaheim flames out in the first round after some other playoff disappointments recently, you'd have to think he's gone. I don't know if it's the coach's fault. Sometimes the coach takes too much blame when things don't go right. But you'd have to think that they would make a change. After, what, losing Game 7 at home last year to the Chicago Blackhawks and, and not making it... I mean, I, I, I'm i surprised. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm putting down Nashville. I don't mean I'm putting down Nashville. I just didn't see Nashville be able to steal two. And, and maybe the Ducks are going to turn it around. Or maybe they're more fragile and flawed than we all think. It's tough to say, but it is the first round of the playoffs. Anything can happen. History has proven that. Look back at 97. I don't think a lot of people had the Oilers beating the Stars in seven, right? So, All right, so here's what's happening in the NHL. Just to update it one more time. Now 4-2 for Minnesota. Koivu gets a goal. 13 minutes left. So the Wild fell behind 2-0 early, climbing back in it and trying to climb back into that series. Sharks up 2-0 in the series on the Kings, up 1-0 in the game. 12 and a half minutes left in the first period, and the Capitals rolling all over the Philadelphia Flyers tonight. 6-1 the final. Beagle, Carlson, Johansson, Kuznetsov, Ovechkin with two. Your goal scorers, Raffle, had the only reply for the Flyers. Mentioned the Raptors won, the Blue Jays won, and uh, those are your headlines for tonight. All right, here's what we're going to do. Al Hamilton and Bob Falkenberg in studio tomorrow night. We'll have the latest on the NHL playoffs uh, Wednesday. A couple Eskimos in studio. Kelly Rudy is going to join us Wednesday night as well. want to thank our guests this evening. You heard from Jerry Modijong from Post Media. Mike Gabinette leaving Nate after an undefeated season as the head coach. He's going to be an associate coach at University of Nebraska Omaha. Jamie Salm, the chair of senior hockey in Alberta, checked in as well, updating the uh, Allen Cup roster situation from last week. You also heard from Brian Hayward, TV analyst for the Anaheim Ducks, and Brendan Ulrich from Oilers Now joined us in studio. Oilers Now is on from noon to 2 tomorrow. I will be back from 6 to 9 with more Inside Sports. The studio producer this evening is Kellen Kennedy. 
The producer of the show, my esteemed colleague, is Dave Campbell. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks to everybody who texted in tonight. Always good to talk to you. Have a great evening. He found a nightclub he could work at the door. She had a guitar and she taught him some chords. The sky was the limit. Into the great wide open. Under them skies. Six thirty, Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.